0: Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys Podcast. This episode you're about to listen to is brought to you by the Denver Chop House, located at 19th and Wine Coop. Wine Coop. Right in the heart of Lodo. Visit the Chop House before, during, after Rockies, Broncos, Avalanche, Nuggets games, Rapids games, Outlaws games. No matter what you're doing downtown, stop into the Chop House. Have yourself a steak, one of their fine brewed craft beers. Go on down. Enjoy some food at the Chop House, a place we recently visited. During our lunch with the Denver Stiffs elite. The elite of the Stiffs. But whatever you do, tell the Chop House Colorado Sports Guys sent you. They love us. We love you. Now enjoy the show. From CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. Hey, what's up everybody out there entangled in the interwebs? We are here once again at Jake's Food and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street, our home away from home while Ross Martin continues to be on diaper changing duty of that new baby he's got. No longer baby watch. And those sweet sounds you're hearing over there, of course, are Jeff Morton, the king of Thornton himself, make his way down here.
1: What's up, everybody? Making it all the way down from Thornton, and as Nate pointed out, we did go to the Denver Chop House and had a delightful, delightful lunch. Yeah. and uh, it was great. I had a French no, it was a
0: shaved prime rib sandwich. It was very good. I we went with the uh, honey chicken sandwich. It was phenomenal. Is that still a word? Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> really Just reloaded on a it, yeah, APA. yeah, man.
1: It's it's been it's been great. I had a cutthroat. Cutthroat Porter
0: down yeah, here at good, Jake's, of course.
1: Porter. I should clarify that it's a Cutthroat Porter and not just a Cutthroat, you know, some, some bass, you know, something like yeah,
0: that. Like you had a pirate or something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that was it was a great time at the Denver Chop House, as always. And today we are at Jake's Food and Spirits, so... Uh, Another one of our delightful sponsors of this uh, lovely, lovely, lovely podcast.
0: I said a cheesesteak and uh, regular fries. Regular fries here? Delicious, by the way. hadn't had regular fries here. and I don't even know the last no, time. You it didn't go with the sweet potato tots. I'm very disappointed in you. Uh, I do the sweet potato tots quite a bit. Foregoat at it this time. I don't know why. Maybe it was a mistake. We'll find out later on <laughs> when I visit the toilet <laughs> in a couple of days.
1: So, <laughs> <laughs> ringing endorsement from Nate Timmons. I anticipate bell bell irritability. It's been a
0: weird, it's been a weird day, Jeff. We don't know quite where things are going to go, what's going to happen, but we do know we have a lot of sports to get into. So let's let's start it off with a little bit of headlines. I felt like a long applause there, whatever that was. Uh, first headline here from a, a gentleman named Flinder Boyd. I imagine he wears suspenders and puts wax in his mustache. Wow,
1: Flinder. Flinders, Does he wear a jaunty boater cap?
0: <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Flinder Boyd on uh, May twenty eighth for Newsweek wrote a story called "The Birdman's Vengeful Ghost." Ah, uh, yes, and that uh, this story detailed more of the uh, Chris Anderson's story, uh, his release from the Denver Nuggets, the bizarre case that he got into with this catfishing thing, which I guess is a new term, catfishing from that movie.
1: Well, we, we I believe, we went into this in the on the podcast a couple years ago too. You had uh, mentioned to Ross and I that you had uh, watched that Catfish program.
0: I thought it was a horror movie when I first saw the yeah. first movie. It's set up to be like a catfish. horror movie. I, was, I rented it. I was super excited for this horror film. And what I got was a cheesy documentary where an old woman just played on her computer a lot. Which is an interesting thing because Nate doesn't normally like horror films. I, well, No, I do. I like zombie movies and good horror movies. What's he, like? Dawn of the Dead? Dawn of the Dead, phenomenal. Or, you, 28 Days Later, everything.
1: Or, okay, we'll get into this later.
0: I also won't watch a movie if it's uh, 1970 or, no, 1979-ish. That's about as late, far back as I'll go. Rocky is as far back as I'll go. That's 76. For the most part. Yeah.
1: It's like so you wouldn't watch the original Dawn of the Dead?
0: No. God, no. God, what's wrong with you? That's such a great movie. Technology, man. That's what it's all about. <laughs> God, it's- I only watch things we've made if the technology is updated. We've made things better for a reason, you know? Come on. Uh, so, Chris Chris Anderson, this story just gets more bizarre, you know? I mean, we find out now that uh, there's a woman kind of playing a, a middleman in this whole case, I guess you could call it, that was, uh, what would you say, uh, kind of manipulating messages back and forth between Anderson and this girl yeah. in California. And this, this woman in Canada who, I guess, hasn't left her house in generations or yeah. decades, I don't yeah. know, centuries? What's the right term here? Whatever it is. Uh, I think it's called agoraphobia.
1: Very strange. And it's, it's an interesting situation. And uh, Mr., Mr. Birdman himself, Chris Anderson, um, probably in some quarters, specifically I'm thinking of Channel 7 News, was maligned for pretty much no reason.
0: Still pretty, uh, well, whatever. His taste is his taste. I mean, a thirty-something well, man with a with a seventeen-year-old, you know, it's still age, odd. That's age consent. You know? Yeah, it is age consent. I don't know. I guess whatever, whatever. Right? I
1: mean, I mean, I can't. You know, listen. It's not a choice I would make. Two things: seventeen and female.
0: <laughs>
1: but <laughs> as Chris
0: Rock once said, a man is only as faithful as his options. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but at the same time, you know, there was child pornography stuff going out there. I mean, it was oh, just that bad. Was terrible, isn't it? Kitty, Kitty porn Kitty was, port. I think,
0: something that a local station had used. Mm-hmm. It was like, wow, man. Like, that that's Channel 7. That's pretty crazy. And uh, allegedly Channel 7. We don't know. No, that, that was definitely Channel 7. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, what was the other story? And then, right when I posted that article, you'd, you'd link to a story about uh, Jack Elway. Mm -hmm. With this domestic violence, and I always get confused. Uh, I'm going to plead ignorance here. Um, The difference between assault and domestic violence sounds like uh, you're in your house and you're slapping your husband around or you're you're slapping your wife around, something like that. To where him uh, apparently or allegedly throwing a female out of a moving vehicle seems a a little different.
1: Pulling, grabbing her hair. (laughs) Apparently grabbing her hair to the point where her extensions came out. She had a weave, apparently. Okay. And, <laughs> and pulled her out of the vehicle and threw her onto the ground and drove off. Now. Was look, this his girlfriend? Yeah. Apparently. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, It was just men's... a woman that was carjacking him and then <laughs> he was getting her out of his vehicle.
1: Yeah, get out of my car. <laughs> I didn't invite you in here. No means no, you know. But I, I think, you know, in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, you, these things come out ironically. You know, as soon as you post that Newsweek article about Birdman, you know, you get that. And obviously it's innocent until proven guilty. No one knows. And especially in these domestic violence cases, kind of like I.E. Ty Lawson last year. You kind of have to really wait until all the evidence comes out before you really draw a judgment on it because, you know. As
0: soon as you hear a, domestic violence, I mean, you automatically assume the worst. You really do. You're like, wow, this guy's a, you know, rageaholic nightmare to live with that's just beating anybody that walks through his front door. You know, that's I mean? <laughs> <laughs> kind of the image you get when you first see domestic it's violence is this, this, m- this monster. It's an initiation thing for the, <laughs> the household.
1: Uh, but, you know, what? But it reminds what was that? You uh, coming in here?
0: You coming <laughs> you in this in house?
1: house? I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> And then you're willing to respect my rules. <laughs> um, who's the uh, goaltender for the abs that got uh, the same thing, similar happened with him? Uh, B. Arthur.
0: <laughs> Ma. <laughs> Ma, where are you, Ma? Blanche is out here gallivanting <laughs> with the gentleman <laughs> again. <laughs> Gallivant. Anyway,
1: uh, the, the goaltender for the abs, what's his name? The
0: Prokhorov. Varlamov. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: is this is going to be one of those podcasts <laughs> I can tell. Um, so yeah, Varley, yeah, right? he's yeah, the one who had the domestic thing going on too, which which turned out to be you know, false, right, or yeah. something.
0: Ah, who knows? But craziness, and, and with Chris Anderson too. I mean, everybody's like, yeah, you know, I'm so glad he's with Miami and he's winning championships. I wish he was still in Denver, but you know, I, he, he's an integral part of that Heat team. It's crazy. You know, where he looked washed up with Denver uh, to the point that they did amnesty him. I, I still believe from people I talked with about Chris Anderson that, you know, he was amnestied for the right reasons, for basketball reasons, not because of this court case stuff that was going on. That well, I think people assume, and you, you shouldn't assume these
1: things. And, and Chris Anderson could not see the court, he was not, being, he's not able to see the court. And when you are a te- on a team like this and the Nuggets need flexibility to make moves, it only made sense to Amnesty Bird. And he, I think he benefited from that year off.
0: Yeah, I think Because so he too. came back kind of energized and, you know. I think you kind of you have that NBA life flash before your eyes. Yeah. And you, know, you know, you come back rejuvenated. That's an advertisement somewhere on this uh, laptop that's going to start playing, I think.
1: What have you done,
0: Nathan? Well, I just have a bunch of links pulled up, so if there's any video inside them.
1: By the way, people, his name is not Nathaniel. His name is Nathan.
0: Yeah, that <laughs> bothers me. A lot of people have been calling me Nathaniel lately. <laughs> It's just Who's thing. just calling you? To, that's, oh. You get text messages. It's, I don't know. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I It's ridiculous. All right, but so Chris knows. Anderson doing pretty well. He's going to be playing, obviously, in the finals coming up uh, tomorrow, right? This is our first game? Yeah. I saw, uh, I, I mean, saw a it's billboard. It's uh, Thursday. Tomorrow's Thursday. Wait, tomorrow's Wednesday. Yes. Thank Uh I saw a billboard. I don't know if it was real or fake. It was a Spurs billboard. It was fake. That was fake? Okay. Yeah. I don't want to even mention it again, then, but still kind of creative. <laughs> uh, all right. Second. Second. Uh, Article we got here from the Denver Post on Ooh. June tw- uh, June 2nd by Ooh. Christopher, don't call me Chris Dempsey. Ooh, your buddy. Titled. All of our buddy, I would like uh, to thank. That's I like Chris Dempsey a lot. Yeah. He's our buddy. Hope to one day call him my friend. <laughs> <laughs> <Pal>. Head- <laughs> headline, Ty Lawson out until July with lingering ankle injury. At this point, out until July? I mean, there's no games going on. <laughs> I did see Ty. Uh, he's, he's in Spain, for those that don't know. He's uh, doing a little a little touring right now, uh, helping out with NBA 3X, whatever that is. No idea what that is. Uh, it's an annual competitive three-on-three tournament played in six cities throughout Spain. Started in April and, you know, runs through like June, according to Chris. Don't call me Chris Dempsey. <laughs> Chris, don't call me Chris. Chris, don't call me Chris Dempsey. <laughs> Uh, But Ty was over in Spain, and I actually saw a picture of him. I think it was on his Instagram where he was in a wheelchair, and he played some wheelchair basketball. And he was saying, you know, got to get my game right, be back next year. You know, like, thanks for showing me this new sport. Um, So, yeah, he is, I guess, uh, heeding the precautions of his doctor, staying off that ankle, only participating in wheelchair basketball.
1: Well, I guess it tells you his ankle injury was a little bit more severe than they you know, kind
0: of let on. But he injured it that against Memphis, right? And I think that was people, like right at the end of the season. For anybody that's had an injured ankle, I mean, they are a beast to come back from. And yeah. Yeah. you know, you could do something where you just minorly tweak it, or you know, you don't even have to roll it again. But just running on it sometimes will cause it to act up. Man, I had that when I was on crutches for a couple of months with an ankle injury. I got back to running, and then it was like some days you just hit it wrong, and it's it's toast.
1: It's kind of like a hamstring.
0: Yeah, you know, I remember
1: when a I had a hamstring injury? It just kept coming back over and over and over. That was brutal, wasn't it? Yeah. It's it's just an in ankle injuries. It's kind of like it's not chronic ankle injuries like Steph Curry's got. But
0: you what do you think of that talk of uh, somebody suggesting some trade stuff the other day? <laughs> I lost my train of thought. <laughs> this is just it's just this day is just chalking up <laughs> as a loss. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> are you talking about on Denver Stiffs? <laughs> yeah, we were bringing up. Um, this leads into uh, another Chris Dempsey article. This guy's obviously just been churning stuff out. From May 30th, Nuggets NBA Draft Series, what if an unexpected talent not at a spot of need falls to Denver? Question mark. Wasn't Dempsey ripping on us for using question marks? There's a question mark in his title. Let me get you for that one, Dempsey. And it's on their blog, so he wrote that title. Yeah,
1: he wrote that. Well, what well, 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 what was the premise of this article like uh, what was the Aaron
0: Gordon perhaps falling at least close enough power to where forward? the Nuggets
1: could trade up to get him Well, he's kind of power forward between small power forward and power. Small, small yeah. Um well, hey, did yeah. you take him? You take him and, and yeah, which at, when you're drafting at 11, you take a best available.
0: Yeah. And we we got into this on Stiffs cuz Paul Klee wrote the article about uh, Jabari Parker and the Nuggets should go all in for him. Basically, uh, talking about trying to trade up into a, yeah. an impossible draft position. Um, it's just interesting this time of year. You know, we'll all, we'll all start. Well, I guess you won't, Jeff. But guys that care about the NBA draft will start falling in love with prospects that they want the team to draft. You know, and I, I, I care about it. I just hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and you envision ways of your team being able to get that player. You know, like I remember last year I was so jazzed up about Eric Green. You know, and then. And then he came. When they traded the pick, I was so disappointed. And then they got him in the second round. And, of course, I let out some hoots and hollers uh, in the press lounge <laughs> at the Pepsi Center. Yes, I remember. I was sitting next to you. <laughs> um, but, I okay,
1: uh, say that if Aaron Gordon comes down to him, you take him. You, I mean, there's no debate at that point. You no. have to. It's not. It's not as if well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pass on Aaron Gordon and go for uh, Nick Stauskas. Yeah. You know, at that point, you you would be rightfully pilloried in the public square. Yeah. And people would throw tomatoes at you, old style.
0: I would send pointed and angry text messages to Tim Conley. <laughs> I would I, would I would compose I would, angry letters. <laughs> I would point and yell at him when I saw him next. Like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> well, no, it's it's exactly. I mean, it doesn't even need to be a question mark. You take the best available player, and if Aaron Gordon falls to you, you take the guy. There's no debate. I don't.
0: Yeah, because I mean, and my whole thing is with that too. Obviously, you take whoever the best player is there that you think is going to be the best player. But if an undeniable talent falls there, yeah, you take him, and you worry about everything else later. Absolutely, you just make the pieces fit. Like Gordon. Let's say Gordon is there at eleven, and the Nuggets pass him. And he turns out to be the next Elijah Wan or something ridiculous. You know what I mean? The next Kobe, the next Nash, whoever it is. I mean, you just, if the Nuggets take that guy and he turns out to be better than Fareed or better than Gallo or better than, you know, starter X, Y, or Z that they have, then you just trade the other guys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, let's, let's face it. It's basically what Denver did with Kenneth Fareed and Nene. Yep. And And that's a very good example because, you know, sometimes. Sometimes that just happens, and I think people, I don't think anyone rational would, would pass that up unless you're, you're not named Bernie Bickerstaff, you know? Oh, right. Uh, that 96 draft is a perfect example of it. The Nuggets had, what, the 10th pick? That's what we'll call Conley if he... Bernie Bickerstaff. If he doesn't take the right guy. <laughs> hey, hey,
0: Bernie! Hey, Bernie! <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, that's just what Bernie did. He traded back because he didn't think there was anyone worth taking. And, of course, then Kobe Bryant and Steve Nash and Jermaine O'Neal. And, yeah, all those guys are drafted.
0: (sighs) And it's like then you sit back and you think, what what is life, you know? By the way, we were watching the other day, uh, flipping through bad cable channels while we are waiting for this wedding to start, and we came across Weekend at Bernie's, a Ben Hockman favorite. Oh, yeah. Well, we watched it about six or seven minutes of that movie. That might be the worst movie ever made. It's not a good movie. <laughs> Terrible. It is not a good movie. It was right when they realized that he was dead, and then they decided to uh, pretend that he was still uh, dead. Jonathan because...
1: Silverman in that movie? Maybe. Yeah.
0: yeah is he related to Sarah Silverman? I don't believe so. Okay, that's good. They look kind of alike. Maybe they are. But they can't be, right?
1: we got to use the old Google machine and find that out. Yeah. If you know,
0: tweet <laughs> at us. Let us know. <laughs> tweet Tweet at us. C O L O Sportsguys dot com. Yeah.
1: Dot com. No. no. At C O L O Sports Guys. God, I keep messing that
0: up. But we're also we're also at the point now, I mean, we're at June second. The draft is twenty four days away. Um, summer League starts and it's gonna be about a month from now in about ten days. Uh, it's June third. It's June third. Today is June 1st. (laughs) 23 days away. 23 days away. (laughs) So we're also going to get, probably within the next uh, day or two here, we're going to get a list of guys that the Nuggets are going to start bringing in to work out for the draft. Yeah. um, Two second-round picks, a first-round pick. Did you – no. uh,
1: It looks like that the Nuggets are going to bring in Rodney uh, um, Hood in for a private workout.
0: Yeah, there's three guys. There's Tyler Enos, Rodney Hood, and then some guy that I hadn't heard of, which scares me. But I don't a, know who that is. Mm, yeah, you prefer the people that you would actually heard of.
1: But, uh, I mean, Rodney Hood, eh,
0: he doesn't excite me in any way, shape, or form.
1: Tyler Ennis. Eh. Rodney
0: Hood kind of reminds me of, like, uh, Stacey Ogman or something. Wow. Without any of the defensive skills. I was going
1: to say. Just kind of a I big... Would, I would like Stacey Ogman if he was... <laughs> <I> <laughs> He's
0: would, just a big, long lefty. He's <laughs> kind of weird. Kind of like a, I don't know, kind of that Ogman type body, though. And
1: I do Larry Johnson... Greg Anthony,
0: that was a that was a good uh, UNLV team. <laughs> but, I mean, Rodney Hood does not does not play defense. It doesn't appear. So, I mean, he's also obviously all these guys are so young. You don't want to say they don't play this. The funny thing to me was uh, this whole Tyler Ennis and Syracuse thing, where everybody's saying, you know, these guys playing a zone defense there. That doesn't mean that Tyler Enos can't play defense. We don't really know. <laughs> what, we don't really know what he's going to be capable of yet, <sighs> Nate. It's just Denver Post story had a embedded That's the Post.
1: I've, I've, I'm going to complain publicly. Opening the Post site now, you have to use a crowbar because of all that media they've got on it. <laughs> but anyway, that's another point. Um, <clears throat> no, but the point, I guess, about it is that it's not a... Um, the zone defense... Well, first of all, point guard really doesn't matter. You're not looking at Tyler Ennis and thinking... I wish he played better defense. You get him at it because you have, have how he runs an offense. Right. Um, it's the other players in the in the uh, Syracuse system you have to worry about because you have to really determine it. And I think what Conley was saying on our podcast was that they play so much zone you don't know that they could play You know, it's kind of like uh, my complaint about college basketball is that it's so coach dominated that the players don't have to think for themselves. Yeah, how There's about no behind just setting yeah. guys up for failure at the next level? basically, I mean, Carmelo and Derek, <laughs> Derek Coleman. I mean, basically, that's it.
0: It's not like those guys can't play defense. I mean, you know, I don't know. I just think it's funny that, you know, we. Should, I don't think we should rush to judge Syracuse guys not being good defenders because they played in the zone. It's like we just don't know what they are. And I think that's probably more of the fear, like you're saying, is the unknown of it. You don't know if they can guard man. You just don't know, you know, and it's, but, I mean, he probably played in a man in high school or AAU, something like they don't that. Really, I don't, they, I don't know. they don't really yeah. teach his defense in AAU or high school, and you can probably just dominate guys at that level with that talent level. <laughs> no. I mean,
1: some, you're just up until high school; you're just going on size, you know. Even at a certain extent in high school and in, in college. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's
0: the it's, it's more the fear of the unknown. The Nuggets. It'll be surprising. They should be able to bring in basically, I would think, everybody that's in that area to be drafted, it's going to be interesting to see if they don't bring somebody in. You know, like if they don't bring Nick Stoskis in. Like, does that say anything, that they don't bring him here to work out? Like,
1: Well, he's projected right around the Nuggets area, and so is... uh well, there's tons of guys. You know, Dario Saric and... Um, <sighs> like, like Yusuf Nurkic,
0: Doug McDermott. It'd be interesting uh, to see if he comes in or if they feel like if he gets a promise from somebody. But, I mean... The Nuggets are in a in a prime position to be able to trade up too, so you'd think those guys would come in. Well, they're not bringing in Vonleh either. Um, well, we'll see. We'll still got to come out with their list of who's going to be coming. No, no, in.
1: I've determined that. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it's it, you know, it. It makes you wonder what it makes you wonder what they intend to do because I'm pretty certain that if they can trade the pick, they will. But if they don't find a willing trade partner, you gotta make the most of what
0: you got. Did you freak out if Denver traded that pick for a package deal around DeMar DeRozan? Toronto with Masai. I mean Conley and Masai are, are sounds like pretty, pretty darn good, good friends. friends yeah. And then, I mean they both have said that, you know, publicly. Conley has talked about that on our podcast or has talked about it in the past.
1: Um <clears throat> so it's not- I I don't believe in DeMar DeRozan's talent as much
0: as Sim some others do, but it wouldn't be a terrible trade. Because just looking at, you know, it really seems like the Nuggets are trying to find a, a wing player that still has upside but can also play defense, you know, kind of be that defensive guy next to Ty, but obviously you have, you have to find a guy that can score the ball as well. Um, it's just interesting trying to think of yeah, what players are the out there. I know, yeah. it's it's I so mean, hard. Who are you, like, you're bringing in DeMar
1: DeRozan in. You say, is he better than Wilson Chandler? Is he better than. than I mean, that's probably what you
0: do is you trade the, the 11th pick and Chandler, but is that a clear-cut move to make you a lot better, or is keeping Chandler and taking a guy at the 11th spot just the better way to go? Well, I do remember that Toronto really wanted Wilson Chandler when he came back from China. That's apparently. the thing with me is it's, it's <clears throat> looking around the NBA, it's, just, it's hard to get excited about anybody out there that is truly attainable. You know what I mean? Because you're like other than obviously LeBron James, it's like who are you going to trade for that's really going to wow us? You know what I mean, the nuggets,
1: as far as I know, i mean maybe you've heard the same thing, Nate, as far as I know, they kind of really would just were would like a two, basically someone so they could bring Randy Foy off the bench
0: I think that would be I think that was the thought yeah. probably when they went out and got Foy was boy, he could sure be a great bench player if we can find you know if Fournier can take this spot over, which they Brian Shaw talked about before last season and you know I mean I'm sure that was a hope at some point but I don't know if that still is but I'm sure that you know if they got offered something out there in the two guard area because I mean you're set you're pretty much set with Gallo and Chandler at small forward you have Farid you have probably Mozgov Javel as your centers you know unless unless something really crazy happens but I don't know it's, it's just hard to imagine a a trade that's going to be like, oh, my gosh, we got this guy. I didn't think they were going to be able to get him. Now we're a top four seed out west. You yeah, know what I mean? It's it's
1: hard to imagine a trade like that, but at the same
0: time. You never know what you're going to You never get.
1: know. And sometimes a third team comes in.
0: I've kind of been looking at, at Gerald Henderson with the Bobcats. That's kind of a – Michael Kidd Kidd Gilchrist. That's a tough one. (laughs) Um, That's another name that I've kind of thought about. You know, those guys are still – well, Henderson's not as young. I think he's 26. Still pretty young, though. Uh, Gerald Henderson. Well, he's defensive-minded. Defensive-minded. You know, he can score. He can shoot a little bit. Super athletic. You know, he played some big games for the Bobcats. The Bobcats are actually – They'd probably be wise just to hang on to what they have and try to build a little bit more because that's not a very that's a pretty decent team. It's a decent team in the East, and yeah, they play they play
1: well defensively. Um, so I doubt they would want to give up necessarily. Gerald Henderson, unless they want to get better offensively. You, know?
0: you get that eleventh pick, and I don't know what the Bobcats have otherwise. did they even have a draft pick. They have to, right? They have they're the to. Hornets, right? I keep forgetting they're the Hornets. Yeah, that's I, I keep wanting to call them the Bobcats, too. Bobbycats. They've, been, Bobby Cats. they've been, the, been the Bobcats for 11 years. <laughs> they have the ninth pick. So, I mean, if you if you end up with 9 and 11, could you move that up and go up to, like, sixth, fifth? Could you get Utah or Boston to, to jump back for two picks? Or Orlando? Oh, that's an interesting question.
1: See, a lot of crap is going to go down at the uh,
0: at the draft. That's why we've got to weasel our way into that draft room. How we we're going to figure out where they're having it, the war room, and so we're going to knock in. on the door, yeah. sneak in there. It's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> <We're in. laughs> but that would be the most interesting place to be. We probably shouldn't have talked about that publicly, though, before we, we did it. Yeah, I'm sure there's not that many people listening. <laughs> <to this. laughs> no, that's right. No one listens um, But that would be the interesting place to be on draft night is in that room to hear everything the Nuggets are going to try to do. But then also to hear what they're going to get back or what what people are going to be offering them, like yeah. the scenarios and the possibilities are, I think. In I don't know, I bet they're pretty crazy every draft night. And we yeah. saw the Nuggets well, move around rumors, last, rumors, last year.
1: We had rumors, yeah, circling around Kenneth Farid last year. You know, yeah. So uh, I, at this point, it could be anything. I mean, all we know is that the Nuggets seem to have been put out there. Through various outlets and, you know, basically the things we have talked about, about maybe the potential of trading that pick. So there's that. There's that baseline right there, but we don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I said today on, on the comment section of Sift. so it's like, at this point, if you're going to pick, you just have to trust that they will be able to contribute. And that is the only thing, the prerequisite, you can have. And it's like, if you're going to pick 11... Then at that point, you know, gonna have to think, uh, and we're gonna have to think that you would be able to get have the good do the homework enough to where you know the person can contribute to your team because.
0: But see, that's the thing that I don't care about. Like, I don't. I almost don't want them if they keep the pick to draft a guy that can contribute next season. I mean, anybody they draft is going to contribute on some level. Uh, my thinking is, you know, let's say they draft Gary Harris with that pick. If they have the choice between Gary Harris or Zach Levine, Gary Harris can probably come in next season and play 15 minutes a night minimum. Uh, Zach Levine probably wouldn't be able to do that. Might I mean, he still could. He could play 15 minutes, but you might not get what you're going to get from Harris. But then three years down the road, Levine might have the potential to be twice the player that Harris is, or vice versa. I don't know. It's just, it, to me, I, I just don't think that you'd want to, I wouldn't want to see the team draft somebody they think can come in and make them a touch better next year. I'd rather see them draft a guy that might make them really good three years from now well, or two years from
1: keep now. Keep in mind, though, the, uh, Tim Connolly put out there that he plans on making the playoffs next year. Now, of course, every GM will say that. But he has gone pretty far in saying that, they're saying that they're a playoff team. And so wherever you're drafting, you kind of have to be thinking they're going to have to contribute, right? Otherwise, you really haven't made your... I mean, listen, we know what the Nuggets are. I, I pointed this out last week. We know, we know what the Nuggets are. We know exactly what they are. We've seen them. I mean, this isn't a mystery. You know? I'm, and my, forget Brian Shaw. Okay? You know, it's just not, there's no magic elixir with a coach. It's the place of Players League. Okay? So we know who the Nuggets are, you know, and having a healthy team, yeah, they boost their record by about, what, 10 games. They're still running 46 games,
0: right? There's middle-of-the-pack Western Conference team. Yeah, maybe even lower. Yeah, just, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe a little bit better than middle-of-the-pack, maybe a little bit worse. Yeah. You know, uh, I
1: mean, it's just in that area, and it's kind of like, huh, yeah. yeah. So are you going to
0: improve your team this year, or are you just going to say, oh, yeah, the, this team's fine the way it is? See, and that's why, to me— if you're in that middle of the pack area, you don't play it safe with that pick. You take, you take. I'm pretty damn convinced that they should just take Zach Levine if he's there. If it's You've
1: mentioned that con- pretty consistently in the yeah. last two weeks, <laughs> if it's
0: either you know, and they probably they probably hate him. They probably think he can't play. You know, no one, knowing how I can evaluate basketball talent, that, that's this of, guy can't. That
1: son of a bitch, Simmons <laughs> thinks that we should draft Zach Levine. But I mean, Let's that's the,
0: that's the thing to me is it's you know, if Aaron Gordon falls there, boom, you take him. If not, I think you take Levine. I mean the kids just got so much talent, it's crazy. I mean, maybe these other guys have it too, and I'm not seeing it and maybe they'll find something and doing their actual homework of breaking down every imaginable game film plus interviewing the guy, you know they'll figure it out. they'll, they'll take the guy they're most comfortable with, but you know for me I, I just hope that they take a guy that, that has as much unlimited potential as they can. Because I mean, what if you stumble into the next Kobe Bryant? Well, yeah, but
1: that's a subjective kind of thing. I mean, what if what if their scouts are saying Nick Rauskas is the one who unlimited potential? Right. That's, you know? that's it very well could be that. I mean, I think we've kind of kind of arbitrarily decide, defined our parameters without thinking. Well, maybe these people they looked at this and they think, okay, this person is, is better. You know, I don't necessarily buy into the fact that Zach Levine has to be the biggest boomer bust thing. Right. To, be honest, to Be quite honest with you. The eleventh pick, it's just you're just hoping for the best. I mean, literally, just that's the standard in that area is like, we hope this person's going to be good. I mean, no one thought Paul George was going to be. oh well, let's face it, Paul George basically is playing like a tenth pick in the draft. Let me let me let me just reiterate to people, Paul George is not a superstar. He's a star. He's, he's a, not a star.
0: Superstar.
1: He's he's okay. He's good. Better on defense than he is offense.
0: Did you watch that game five or whatever it was when he just went crazy in the fourth?
1: Uh, let me let me put it to you this way: every that was fun to every watch. squirrel finds a nut. You know <laughs> that was a fun. <laughs> he's, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. But then the next game he lays an egg. I mean, it's like it's it, the superstar doesn't do shit like that. Stuff. Excuse me. I was cussing
0: on the podcast. Did LeBron have like five fouls and two points till? Yeah, five of those fouls. Games? And it's like, yeah, yeah, Paul George went off because LeBron was in foul trouble. Um. That was the sad part, wasn't it? Like the Pacers barely won that game, even though LeBron was a basically a complete non-factor. <laughs> yes. It's like, hey, we almost beat the <laughs> LeBronless Heat, <laughs> or we actually did beat them, but we just barely beat <laughs> we them. We barely beat them. But yeah, it's just like you pay you you when you go
1: into it, you think, okay. Hopefully this person contributes. And that's literally the only standard you can have because, I mean, when I say contributes, you hope that they're a good player. I but mean, I
0: still think you can take a guy. I think you can draft a guy that you know has limited potential and then try to sell it as, well, we wanted to take a guy that we thought could come in here and contribute, which to me that's what Nick Stauskas is. I think he has. Yeah, I think there's a cap on his game. Yeah. I think there's a cap on James I think Young's he's, game. I think Stauskas
1: I think, projects like uh, what a call a Corbett. You know, basically, he's a three-point specialist.
0: Maybe a little – well, a lot of people have been telling me, I haven't watched a terrible amount of stuff on him, but he is pretty darn athletic, and he does get to the rim. He did it at the college level, and that's kind of the hope, is he can kind of be, I think, kind of a J.J. Redick-type guy, maybe a little bit more of a playmaker than Kyle Korver. I, I'm just comparing white guys to white guys that's here. That's what yeah. <laughs> <Don't>, <laughs> ignore, my, <laughs> ignore my racism here. <laughs> 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 you know, Jared Dudley We'll throw Jared Dudley into the mix Jared Dudley's not
1: athletic at all though Yeah, he's really not He's he's the guy who can get shots on screens And sits in the corner uh, and then, uh, With any, any shot like that when, you do, you're, when you're trying to go
0: for a shooter You're hoping that they can hit the three And then you work your way in from there So, And that's the problem too with with Staskis Is you just think The way NBA offenses are going It may not be due to his own liking, like I remember, you know, Jordan Hamilton talked about it uh, with me in, in some articles of, of, you know, people seeing him as being a three-point shooter and a, and wanting him to play defense. And he's like, well, you know, I can also handle the ball and I rebound, I can pass, I can make plays, I can get to the rim, but people just want me to sit in the corner and shoot. And it's like that could be what happens with Stoskis because he is such a great shooter that his offense gets limited by – the NBA offense that he's involved in. It could be. I mean, we're like I said, we're we're
1: we're, go- we're narrowing in on these 11th picks, and then you're, we're we've basically honed in on the problems. You know, yeah. so you know, we should you know. just take Zach Levine, is what
0: we're saying. Right? <laughs> I mean, this guy so is apparently awesome.
1: apparently this Nate guy's the next Michael Jordan. <laughs> Nate Timmons believes that the Nuggets <laughs> should draft
0: Michael uh, Levine. Michael B. Jordan. No, Michael. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> so, if you haven't seen that awkward moment, folks? Go out and rent it. Great movie. <laughs> So I
1: mean, it, it really is. The point is, it's it's just no one knows, and even even with the top picks, you said, I mean, look at the people trying to looking at uh, Joel Embiid right now. I mean, he's got a back problem, and that that's like a warning sign, blaring at you. And people
0: are like, I hope he's not doesn't turn out like Greg Oden. You know, that's going to be. I mean, the top of this draft is so crazy because it's like. It's that same question: Do you take the big man or do you take the athlete? It's yep. the Elijah Wan Bowie Jordan question all over again, yep. and it's it's those three guys, and then you have Exum up there too. And it's like, I don't know. It's what does Cleveland do? Do they take Wiggins and hope to pair him with LeBron if they can? Do they take him Bead and hope that you know, he turns into? You just you hear so many people just you know drooling over him beads. Potential and his footwork and how he runs and how he moves and it's yep. it's crazy. You know it's interesting how the NBA they always
1: insist that they've gone away from the big man, but at the same time,
0: anytime you got a talented one, there, and then
1: they, they see the big man, they like they start. You could see them; they start salivating. Yeah, and it's like, well, okay, this, and clearly you want the big man, and, the, and when we're, we're talking about big man, we're not talking about Roy freaking Hibbert, who is basically a lump. You know, <laughs> you're
0: talking got about. It.
1: I hope Roy Hibbert joins
0: the Nuggets someday so you have to talk to him. <laughs> hey, and Hibbert, he just, he you that, suck. He just does that whack-a-ball thing at the top of your head, just dunk. Thanks. Hey, Hibbert, why don't you go back to Indiana, yeah. <laughs> you bum?
1: Been uh. reading your tweets for years, <laughs> bud. No, you don't like me. But it's like, you know, you get Roy Hibbert who basically stands there with his arms in the iron. But athletic, athletic centers, athletic centers are hard to come by. That's why you want the Elijah one. That's why you want the Ewing. That's why you want those guys that
0: we just have, see the, have that
1: ability, you know.
0: And you see that potential with, you know, Embiid, and and it's with Anthony Davis. You know, it's what they're hoping New Orleans Noel is going to turn into is this, you know, this guy that can go get you thirty and twenty and just be a monster and just mm-hmm. dominate because mm-hmm. you just can't defend that. There's there's really no way to defend size. Obviously, you know, it's crazy. You even see it with the Nuggets when Mozgov plays well. You know, on the nights that he does really well, it's like, man, their offense is really clicking. Mm-hmm. You know, when, mm-hmm. you, when you have that going, you got that inside presence, it just opens up so much more of the floor. And, you know, let's talk about maybe talk about this next article by Ken Berger. Ken Berger? Because we're, we're hinting around at these great big men. Uh, Ken Berger wrote for CBS Sports, The Forgotten Finals, two of the greatest all-time battled for an NBA title, and the world watched something else. One of my
1: favorite <laughs> final series of all time. And it's known for... Did you, did you
0: cry because your Knicks lost at the end? I you was upset. <laughs> you I, I,
1: I liked... I, one of my favorite players was John Starks.
0: Loved John Starks.
1: Loved him. And he made the most bonehead play of that series. Patrick Ewing was going right down the middle of the lane. It was game six. The Knicks were down by two. So they had the last possession... And uh, Starks was at the three-point line. And actually, not really a bonehead play. It was a great athletic play by Akeem Olajuwon. And they did a pick and roll. Um, Ewing breaks off and breaks down the middle. Wide open. No one's around him. No one is around him. And Starks heaves up this three-point shot. Olajuwon basically comes out of nowhere and just tips it. Just like with his finger fingertips. It falls down, and, then, and rather than winning the series, at that point, it was forced to a seventh game. And that was the game that the, that the, the uh, O.J. Simpson stuff was going on in.
0: That was game seven? Game six. But that was a seven-game series? That was seven-game series. God, I did not remember that. I don't know how you remember that stuff. <laughs> I but I liked bush. both those teams. I loved, I mean, I guess I must have just been a huge bandwagon fan when I was a kid. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I loved the Bulls. And then I loved those Rockets teams. I loved them. Mainly probably more so because I, I couldn't stand the Jazz. I couldn't stand Portland. Yeah. I couldn't stand the Sonics. Uh, the Sonics. And I couldn't stand Barkley. You didn't I, kinda, like. I liked those, some scenes with him, though. They were kind of fun. I liked Barkley when he was with the Sixers, <laughs> and then something happened along the way where – something with the Bulls. Well, where, you know,
1: he starts spouting off about how crappy the Nuggets were around that time, and that's where I think people in Denver were kind of like, uh
0: I had something, too, where I just – I, I, I love the Bulls teams. I love Pippen, and it was like – I remember they played in the finals that year, Phoenix and in, in Chicago, and it was like – I can't root for this guy, you know. Because I, <laughs> I had Barkley shoes. It's kind of crazy, but. Did you? I love those Rockets teams, man. When they came through, like, I could still. Starting five. Can you name the starting five? I'd go uh, Ver, Vernon Maxwell. Vernon Maxwell. Kenny mm-hmm. Smith. Yep. Uh, did Ori start? And then i say Otis, no, Otis or, or Thorpe. No, Ori was on the bench. i say Otis Thorpe and Elijah Warren. Yeah, yeah. That was so who was our small forward? Mario Illy. Did he start? I think so. At least the first year, he probably. I know, believe had. Ellie started. Oh, but no, yeah, then you had, you had you had Ellie off the bench. You had uh, Carl Herrera off Carl the bench. Herrera, yep. Um, obviously, you had Ellie. You had Sam Cassell. Scott Brooks. Scotty Brooks was there. <laughs> was he there? Yep. Oh my god, <laughs> that was just a crazy team. Brooks never played, did he? Yeah, he played. Really? Yeah. Oh man, I don't remember him playing at all. Because you had Maxwell, uh, Virginia, you had Kenny Smith, Kenny Smith yeah. and Sam Cassell. Yep. They played four guards.
1: No, it was Cassell. I think Cassell played. Was he a rookie for their? S- I thought he was
0: there for both of
1: them. No, I think he would. Cassell was a rookie on the uh, Orlando series. You're I think have to uh, look this up. I I don't. You, know, you could fi- fire up that old basketball reference because my memory is a bit fuzzy here. But um, that is one of my favorite series of all time, and it was a slugfest. It was a slugfest.
0: No game had a margin greater than eight points. But it was fun watching like Elijah on too, like playing the post. Yeah. Like those, he had array all those post of moves post, and yeah. he had that fall away on the baseline. Oh, yeah. ah. And and Ewing was a very
1: good post post guy. But he had that nice jumper that he had from the like the corner.
0: Not the corner, but the kind of like the, the elbow. Cassell was there for both of them. Was he? Yeah, rookie. Him and Ori were rookie. Or no, Ori was in the league for a year, the yeah. first title and Cassell was a rookie. Uh, that uh, Rockets team lost
1: to the Sonics in ninety three. In a good series.
0: Where's Scotty Brooks? Yeah, Brooks played 73 games, averaged 16 minutes a night, just about 17 minutes a night, 5.2 points. That's a guard-heavy I remember team. he was an itty-bitty player, too. I remember that. Uh, Scott Brooks. Yeah, Robert Ory started 81 out of 81 games. Did he? God, man. So it wasn't Ellie. It, it was wasn't Mario Ellie who was starting. Elijahon Thorpe, Maxwell, Ory, and Kenny Smith. And so Carl
1: Herrera and uh, Ellie off the bench was their main
0: piece. He averaged 24 minutes the most at anybody. Yeah. Carl Herrera, Cassell, Scott Brooks, Earl Curtin, Hmm. and Matt Bullard. Oh, Matt Bullard. Bullard (laughs) was like uh, (laughs) Matt Bonner, basically. Yeah. He shoots some threes, rebound
1: a little bit. Well, look at those Knicks teams. Those Knicks teams had Ewing, um, we got to look up the Knicks now. I got to look them up to see who Greg they Anthony was the, was the point guard. Um, Ewing, John
0: Starks. Uh, I Keep thinking like Anthony Mason. Anthony Mason was, was Charles th- Smith on that team?
1: Yeah, Charles Smith was on that team.
0: Lost finals in what was it 98 99? No. God, what am I thinking? Yeah, yeah. 93 94. <laughs> <laughs> I missed the whole point of this whole story. <laughs> <laughs> so their rotation went. Starters were Ewing, Oakley,
1: yeah, Charles Oakley. Oakley yep.
0: played and started all 82 games. Uh, John Starks, Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers was only there for like 19 games. I think was it? Yeah, 19. And yeah, exactly 19 games. How the hell did you know that? He yeah, was a fan. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Anthony Mason. Um, Charles I loved Smith, Anthony Mason. He was such a thug. He was, his hair was—he <laughs> had the best hair. I could never figure <laughs> out if they painted on his head or if his hair is shaved in. Never knew. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Charles Smith, who started some games for them, I think his Ewing got hurt, and Greg Anthony didn't. Ewing the, didn't get hurt. Ewing played seventy-nine games. Didn't like the year before. Didn't the Knicks have Kenny Skywalker? Charles Smith started twenty-one games for that team. Ewing started seventy-nine, and Oakley started eighty-two. They were playing the. Big Oakley, lineup. at small forward. Well, that's a big lineup. And then there are key pieces off the bench with yeah. Derek Harper, Derek Harper, who yep. should have had the nickname Sleepy. I don't know how that got away from anybody. <laughs> uh, Hubert Davis, remember Hubert Davis? Hubert Davis from Duke. Anthony Bonner. Anthony Bonner, yep. Uh, Ronaldo Blackman. What, Ronaldo Bulkman?
1: Ronaldo Blackman. No, Ronaldo Bulkman. Ba- Blackman Ronald- Ronaldo Blackman yeah Ronaldo Blackman from the Rolando from the Mets. Blackman. <laughs> and Tony <laughs> and Tony
0: Campbell whoever the hell that is oh Tony
1: Campbell and Herb Williams
0: Herb Williams played a little bit yeah like eleven minutes a night for Herb that was I think one of my okay that is a crappy team
1: let me let me just <laughs> let not just, a good team let me just set this up to you Let's see how you, many games okay? they
0: how many games did they win like 57? 57 and twenty five how the hell do you remember that. <laughs> What a mess. They went, <laughs> I, they went to three seven games. They went. They uh, won their first series three to one. And Then the next three series they won in game seven over the Bulls, Pacers, and then they lost to the Rockets. Oh, That's those crazy. Those Pacers series they played were epic. Epic. Yeah, those were good. Mick Smiths versus Ewing. <laughs> oh, man. Those series. But anyway. Davis that, brothers versus Smith and Oakley and that Mason. Was, oh, my God.
1: The Davis brothers. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I just remember when Riley, Riley would substitute in Anthony Mason, I'd be like, oh, yeah, a brawl's going to start. Somebody's about to get <laughs> hurt.
0: <laughs> Knock his block off,
1: Anthony. Oh, it was amazing. And I was thinking when this series, when uh, Lance Stevenson was causing all his issues with LeBron, I kept thinking, if this they were playing the Knicks in 94, either Oakley or Mason would be in there, and they would bloody his face. <laughs>
0: And he would be in the third row picking up his teeth. Somewhere, Raj Sharon was on his couch, fist pumping. <laughs> Lance Stevenson's making antics. Yes.
1: But those are, I, I'm unabashedly. And
0: Feinstein. Feinstein's a Stevenson guy, too. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Put words right into his mouth. Uh-huh. Loves him.
1: Um, I was unabashedly
0: a Knicks fan in there and they, because I didn't like the Bulls. Terrible offensive rating. They were 16th out of 27. Oh, they couldn't shoot. First in defense, defensive rating ninety eight point two. Now it was defense. I mean, you obviously couldn't go to the rim on that team if you weren't getting pummeled on the way in. <laughs> Ewing was just blocking your shots. <laughs> <laughs> I loved
1: that team because I, mostly because I hated the Bulls. It was almost barely basketball when the Knicks played, though. It was like it was thug. It was thug basketball. But you know, they were the. F- they, this wasn't like the Pistons, who had the offensive skill. Okay, this was. This is basically, we are going to beat you up. And they were the ones yeah, we're, who. We're going to wrestle you. They, they were the ones who started that with the Bulls in 92 when they basically said, okay, Michael, you're going to go in the lane, but we're going to elbow your face. <laughs> and you know what? It created the, such an intense rivalry between those two. And the Bulls won every time, but it created a, such an intense rivalry that you just fed on it. And the Eastern Conference Finals in 93 was one of my favorite series of all time. All-time. The Knicks won the first two games. The Bulls won the last four. I was like, oh, I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) But that series, that series between the Rockets and and uh, and the Knicks, like I said, no margin was greater than eight in that whole series, and no team
0: scored over 91, 94 points right around there. I just remember being upset that they were showing a car chase during the finals. It was being like, a like simulcast. It was like they would show the and back then I think I had like a, just a tiny TV, like a little 13 inch TV or something. So it's like <laughs> the ants on my screen are now mosquitoes. Like, the, come on, guys! This was back when
1: Channel Four was still MB, NBC. So you would like have this this um, the, the Bronco chase and Game Six. Towards the end, by the way. We're, <laughs> we're talking when it was getting into fourth, crunch time. Yeah, quarter. <laughs> this thing's going on. And you have Bob Palmer breaking in. Uh, you know, LJ Simpson's like, oh, man. And, you, you know, you didn't know what to watch, but I'm, like, upset that they were breaking away from this great game. Who's the other dude? Uh, who's driving
0: him? Al Green? Al Callings. Al Callings. Al, Al Green. Green. <laughs> Let's stick together forever, OJ.
1: Yeah, what a mess! Yeah, that's why I love that. I love that series. Uh, and, and that's some great basketball. I mean, listen, the Nuggets had played two great series. That's crazy. That
0: there's people now. There's big time basketball fans that are around what eighteen, nineteen years old. No clue what we're have talking. No idea. They were just being born.
1: I was noticing that on. I mean, people in Denver, Sips who are listening to this, I apologize. When you know, I know you guys get upset at me constantly bringing up history, and it occurs to me, I I, I don't realize that there's a lot of teenagers and people who are in their early
0: twenties who have no clue what I'm talking about. It just sounds like some old foreign thing that. Yeah, and I'm only 35. I still you know, we'll still talk to guys that are you know big like. Big fans of way back when in, in basketball where they're, like, upset that I don't remember, you know, stuff yeah. from like Byron other, Beck. Or, yeah, Byron you Beck. Know, and Bobby Jones. It's, a, it's like, I wish, you know, <laughs> I wish I knew that stuff more, but.
1: Well, and I, t- We, you know, listen, I, I always say that the 90s are my wheelhouse, and that's really, truly it. And I, I can remember all these series. I mean, I forgot that the Knicks went to the Eastern Conference Finals in... No, they didn't.
0: I hated John Starks. Oh man, I loved hated him. him. Yeah, I love
1: that dunk that he had on on Pippin, or was it Horace Grant? And in, uh, in that Eastern Conference Finals, nobody can dunk on Pippin. Bro,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I need a Pippin. What if what if he had a migraine?
0: Yeah, yeah, the migraines <laughs> those hurt. Uh, I need a Pippin jersey. I only, I only have, I own two NBA jerseys. Two. You, yeah. you can guess who they are. Greg Cadillac Anderson. <laughs> I've owned three in my whole life, but I only have two now. And Joe Barry Carroll. <laughs> I had a Jalen Rose jersey. that I don't know where that ever got off to. Maybe I have it. I have a box of like old jerseys. Oh, that's right. Jerseys. Yeah, I know. You, yeah, you had a Jalen Rose. I mean, Ross has a Jalen Rose jersey. Anyway. I had that same one. I still might own it. I think it might be in a box of like kid stuff that I have. Maybe. Maybe. I need to look. And then the two I still own, uh, I have a number seven Chauncey Billups jersey from the Western Conference Finals run. Oh, nice. And then I won a, uh, a trade deadline challenge on SB Nation amongst, moderate, or, uh, amongst uh, site managers. So I, I got a Wilson Chandler yellow jersey. When did you do that? Huh? When did you do that? Uh, like halfway, I don't know, around the, right after the trade deadline. I won the trade deadline. I, I predicted that the Nuggets would trade Andre Miller to the. I didn't, I didn't even know you had entered that. Do you used to see that? No. Were you on those emails?
1: That they, apparently they, they cut me out. Well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Awkward. <laughs> they were, uh, I predicted that uh, Andre Miller was going to get traded to the Wizards for uh, Jan Vesely. And it happened. Wow. I threw you in predicted that? I threw, I threw in, Why didn't you tell me this? I threw in <laughs> that the Nuggets were going to trade somebody else to the Wizards as well and that the Wizards were going to send somebody else our way. That didn't happen, but I got two of the four pieces right. Wow! I'm pretty wow. good, man. I, I know my shit pretty well. <laughs> do,
1: do you, <laughs> so you, you, know, you know about trades for scrubs? <laughs> it seemed like
0: it made sense at the time. It was like, that deal makes a lot of sense to me. If it I, happens, <laughs> it's going to happen.
1: I don't own any. I never owned any Nuggets jerseys, but I did own a LaFonso Ellis shirt mm. that my
0: grandmother had bought me when in 1993 when they had changed their color. Were those those like cartoon shirts? Remember those that had kind of the cartoon player, and they sometimes would have like an enlarged head.
1: Oh yeah, no, no I cool. didn't. It wasn't. No, it was it was the 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 colors, but it was a shirt. It wasn't a jersey, and it was when they changed the colors. It was the t-shirt jersey. Yeah,
0: those are what Ross loves.
1: And I uh, wore the crap out of that thing, and I told Lefonso about that when I met him um, and uh, when the nuggets said that uh, celebration of the uh, 20, of the 94 team, and I told him I said, "Lefonso, I wore the fuck out of that shirt." <laughs> and I'm looking at him and thinking, "Oh man, he's very religious.
0: I should't have said that. <laughs> Do you follow uh, Lafonso on Twitter?"
1: <laughs> uh, that's his
0: son Lefonso Ellis? Yeah. What do you mean that's his son?
1: It's his son. His son's named Lafonso Ellis. I've been following Lafonso Wallace's son? Yeah. He doesn't... Uh, Lafonso doesn't
0: have Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah. Lafonso Ellis' son's a huge... B- Are you sure? Yeah. I'm going to have to double-check this. I, I, I know of what I speak. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big uh, Blackhawks fan, but he was like, you know, hats off to the Because they live in
1: Chicago. You live in Illinois. They, that's where Lafonso's from. I've been following
0: Lafonso's <laughs> kid for yes, like... Yes, <laughs>
1: you've been following his kid, dude. Yeah. All right. Lafonso doesn't have a, have a Twitter account. I was actually... Asking him about that, he says, "No, that's my son." I'm like, "Oh, okay." Well,
0: yeah. it's his son posing as him. Yes, his son is named LaFonso. <laughs> <laughs> it's, his, it's his son posing as him on there. <laughs> I got to figure this out. This is freaking <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not verified. LaFonso Ellis from East St. Louis, free agent guard, six three one ninety five. <laughs> Dear Lord, I've been following LaFonso Ellis's son.
1: Now, well, son
0: of retired NBA player and ESPN, Ellis <laughs> LaFonso Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- this kid's uh, pretty intelligent now. I like him. I like him. I'm going to keep following him. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Morton. <laughs> I follow him, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. I love him. <laughs> I did have the other day, uh, I did have one of my buddies that reached out to me. They, Dear God, now, that, now I know who it is. Well, you, don't say who it is. You probably know who it is, too. It said that. They saw Jordan Hamilton in an airport recently. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. I was like, "Oh, you Jay going ham? Yeah, Ham Nation, baby. That's what <laughs> I do it." <laughs> Hello, Jordan Hamilton. Ham-Nation. He's great. <laughs> ham Nation. Ham Nation. <laughs> so I tweeted back to him. Yes, sir. Yeah, you well, you get these. You uh, for
1: those who don't know, Nate. Nate has a very good way of communicating with players, uh, which I don't have I, because I mostly am very condescending to people. So I, <laughs> so that, <laughs> so that kind of precludes my uh, ability to connect. <laughs> But Nate, Nate's very, very good at it.
0: I do like the guys. I do like to do the uh, – I don't have a good uh, handshake like Jordan Hamilton and Tim Gelt had in a phenomenal handshake. Oh, yeah? It's like a six-series movement. I would never have been coordinated enough to pull I, it I off. can't imagine Tim doing that. That's pretty good, man. He's well, He's got the moves down with the handshakes. He's a good handshaker. Man. handshake. Something
1: I did not know. Tim, if you're listening, it's, uh, we're, we, you and I have to develop a handshake
0: now. <laughs> So uh, yeah, great finals at old '93. Uh, There's just a ton of good teams back then, wasn't there?
1: Oh yeah, it was like a it was a gauntlet. I, I'm
0: so uh, good, man. Thanks.
1: It was a gauntlet. I mean, that's why I respect the Bulls' first three championships far more than their last three, because the league was just different when Jordan came back. It was only it was a difference of a year and a half, basically. But when he they from the Bulls won the what, 72 games in 1996 that team the competition in the East was so much worse than it was
0: just two years before see we're I was talking about this yesterday we're uh, we've been playing basketball again I don't know if I, if I told you oh yeah uh played in my uh, fourth day of games. You are schooling fools down at the rec yard? I played Sunday and Monday. <laughs> uh, we played some two-on-two Monday, which I finally got to work on some post moves and handle the ball a little bit more than in a five-on-five game. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm terrible at basketball. <laughs> this one time, I did hit a game-winning three on uh, Sunday. in this really? we, were, we were playing all these young kids. Uh, I think they just got out of like high school and some of them were in college. Were they all like, what? Yeah, they like to run. You know, and it's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they... His kids like to run. When, you, like to when run. you when you play the younger guys, they like to uh, <laughs> they like to cherry pick. They don't get back on defense that well and they like the fast breaks.
1: So they're Corey Brewer.
0: Where when you when you play, it's like playing with a bunch of Corey Brewers. And when you play with older guys, they seem to kinda like to walk the ball up. A lot of times they'll just check it, you know, like, you know, we're let's just check <laughs> it here and you know, it's a different style, but it's it's fun. I'm just playing to try to get some exercise. Yeah. I, I like to play but um we we're talking yesterday we were shooting around and I was saying we we're talking about Miami and, and uh, San Antonio and I kind of asked the question of, you know, does it mean anything it, history's not going to matter, but to me, Miami basically getting to play in the Eastern Conference Finals with no real challenges, it's not, you know, if I'd love to see Miami in the Western Conference and see I don't doubt that they would make it to the finals in the west. But I I would love to have been able to see that, like stiffer competition. You know, like these guys are just, they're not having to play anybody until the Eastern Conference finals. And even then, come on. Remember
1: remember who the Bulls had to go through. I mean, let's forget who they had to go through just to get to the finals. Let's just talk about when they were winning finals, when they were winning titles, who they had to go through. The the first year, the the Detroit Pistons were still good. Pistons, Celtics. Um, You know, the Celtics were on the decline by that point. Cleveland. Cleveland was still good. I mean, good. even when
0: the Bulls were losing, and you know, you, to get to the point where you're winning finals, you're getting, you know, you're getting your ass kicked by the Celtics. You know, you're getting in dogfights with Cleveland. You're having to you know, get your butt kicked by the Pistons for a few years until you, you know, mm-hmm. beat them. And then you've got the Lakers waiting for you in the finals or you know, the, yeah, the Zippers.
1: And the Lakers that were, <laughs> I think we talked about this last week, Mike Dunleavy was their coach. Couldn't believe I forgot. I was like, "Forgot? Yeah, Mike Dunleavy was the coach of that that uh, Lakers team in '91 when the Bulls won their first title, and then you got the second year they played a very good Blazers team in the uh, in the finals, um, and they had to go
0: through wasn't a, the, the Knicks, the, the Pacers, you know. Blazers were kind of like a poor man's Bulls team, weren't they? I mean, yeah, Drexler who was not quite as good as Michael, but almost as athletic." You know, you have your your kind of second tier guys. You got Duckworth, kind of the big goofy center, just like, like uh, you know, Bill Cartwright. Cartwright, all those guys. You know, yeah.
1: I think Cartwright was their center for their first three, right? Wasn't he?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, spotted by various characters. Like, Will Purdue? I think for a Will Purdue was the backup. Yeah,
1: and then you, um, uh, but you know, and then the the best team they faced in that first three, obviously, was the Suns. Um, and by that point. Uh, Kevin Johnson was basically worthless. I mean, so uh,
0: and this—I mean—the Spurs have just had such a harder road to go through. You know, I mean, yeah. they go through Dallas. Who do they play in round two? Was it Clippers? No. It was uh, you know, that one team with God, those guys did, on it? Who did they play the second <laughs> round? Uh, Jesus, Memphis? No, Portland. Portland. Oh, that's right. God, they steamrolled Portland. Yeah, they mopped the forward Portland. Portland, yeah, Portland's not, not a great team at this point in time. A young and up-and-coming team, but they were, you know, fed to the dogs on that one. Yeah, they were. Um, and then they played the Thunder. And then the Thunder. you get the Thunder, who's, you know, a team that could be right in
1: there. Let me there. tell you something about the Thunder. They, of course, you, you and I have talked about this. I thought they, they, they lowered their ceiling when they did the Harden trade. People have tried to say rationalize that and say they didn't. And you know, everything they've got flexibility. They were a special team with Harden. They're not a special team anymore.
0: I talked about that with, with Brady Hull on Monday. You know, I was like, people want to see the Pacers blow their team up, and it's like, look, look no further than the Pistons of the Bad Boys era and the Thunder now. Like the Pistons stuck together, came through some adversity, won. Stick with what you have. Feinstein was talking about it. The three of us have talked about it. And then you get the thunder that say, you know, that's the lesson right there. Like, you no, know, let's just try it with somebody else. It's like, no, that was the special team, man. Like, that was it.
1: I have no doubt they would have won a title if they kept Harden.
0: Yeah.
1: No yeah. doubt in my mind. Had to have. Yeah. They would have, they would have come back the next year and beat the Heat. I, I, I'm convinced of this. But they, they, you know, it's the classic case of cutting off your nose to spite your face. It really is. It's like, and then, all right, you know, and, and, and then look at the Pacers. The Pacers are in the East, and they'll be fine because they are in the East, but they're not special. There's nothing about them that's special. As long as LeBron James is in the East, it's going to be hard for them to get by whom Frank Vogel called the Michael Jordan of this era. You know, any team that LeBron James is on is going to be that.
0: Yeah. It's crazy, man. I just It will be a good finals, and obviously people are going to remember if Miami wins back-to-back-to-back to back to back champions, you know, and it's – but it's like, God, I would love to have seen them face a little bit of competition at some point, besides just that in the finals. Mavs and the Mavs team Eastern. was good. They, the Mavs team that they, had, they lost to was playing better. The finals teams are great that they played, yeah. but it's like, I mean, just to get there, though, it's like they basically have a free pass to get to the, the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. And then you're right, you're right. But I don't I don't know if it's not going to be remembered that way, obviously, when you look back, no. it's just going to be, hey, they were, were in four straight finals Three of which they won if they happen to win this one, well, which look, is insane.
1: Look at it this way. The Lakers of the early 2000s basically coasted to their their runs, except for 2002 when they went that seven games with the, the Kings. But basically, the previous two years, they basically just coasted all the way to the finals, you know?
0: That's who I've been comparing myself to, actually, Shaquille O'Neal in my uh, comeback bid to play rec basketball because I'm trying to play my way into shape, which is wait, a horrible way to go about wait, things. Wait,
1: so why, are, is this the... Is this the Lakers shack, or is this the Cleveland
0: shack? (laughs) (laughs) You bastard. Probably Cleveland. I mean, let's not. (laughs) Probably Boston. (laughs) I'm the Boston shack. I'm just there for uh, a good time, and, you know, I'll see myself out on the way. (laughs) It's misery. Oh, my God. Miserable. All right. Well... I Is can't that think it? of anything else. <laughs> yeah, <in> finals, <laughs> finals start like tomorrow. Yeah, they do. I, I put a lion up as the background of my uh, computer now. A lion? Yep, I got a lion a head lion. on there. It was one of the choices on Macintosh, and I don't really know how this thing works that much. I can uh, I can do the <laughs> basics on this laptop, but, you know. Gurr <laughs> uh, Nate, Nate so Timmons says Gurr like a lion. To, I'm trying to figure it out, but <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, NBA finals starting up. Uh, Rocky's still playing baseball. I saw... Uh, Derek Wolf at uh, some OTAs or I don't know what it is something, maybe hopefully his something. neck is right. But they said he's up to like uh, I saw him recently and they said he's up to like two hundred and ninety pounds. He was up oh. he was down to like two sixty or so I guess during the season. Oh, that's good. He's huge man. I never I never seen him in real life and I was standing next to him. I was seeing him and Louis Vasquez, both those guys. I'm like I was talking to Louis Vasquez. I was like dude I played offensive tackle in high school. I was like I can't imagine getting hit by you on a football field. You would kill me. Straight kill me. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> performance enhancing <laughs> drugs. Dude. Who knows? Those guys are performance enhanced. That's for sure. Big guys, <sighs> just good players. So, anyway, we'll get out of here. Uh, we'll probably be back next week. I would imagine, huh? I'm sure we will. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Kay.